our final, uh, I guess, for now, Decade in Review podcast. We're going to be covering 2019 this time. Uh, As always, I'm your host, LB, and joining me is my co-host, CT. Good afternoon. Yes, it is afternoon as opposed to evening when we're recording this. Uh, So 2019, this podcast is probably going to go a little bit faster than our other ones because in 2019 i did not watch as much anime as i usually do i watched maybe about a dozen series maybe a little bit more or less than that i think probably a little less than that actually so i don't have a whole lot of options to choose from in terms of picking out my favorites from 2019. I'm not sure how it was for you. Did you watch more or less, or how was it for you in 2019? It's definitely been a sliding scale down, both from 2019 and 2020. Uh, I think I kept up a bit more with, you know, on on the movie end. Uh, but I'm not going to do what I did last time and, and make an all-movie edition. They weren't anywhere near as strong, uh, uh, including in comparison. Uh, so yeah, for, for me, this one was a little weird because it was also kind of the sliding scale of uh, I would get into something and then I would just lose enthusiasm with it and lose track of it. Uh, There are ones that I'm going to go back to, but, uh, you know, I'd get into something even like Vinland Saga and be pretty pumped in the beginning. And then after a certain point, I would have just lost some enthusiasm and not be able to make it through things like Boogie Pop and others, which, uh, you know, the the previous Boogie Pop series uh, is really big for me and this one was you know started off well and then it it just i don't know what it was but there were very few that i could stick with constantly uh so my my total number is definitely down for this year maybe over time maybe by mid this decade i'll have caught up on all of the ones from 2019 (laughs) that i wanted to finish uh, something like that. Although I'm taking a few more steps to to kickstart 2021, I I don't think that you know this year in general with uh, with COVID and all of the other changes has been good, even just for my watching of anime habits. So uh, uh, I'm I'm gonna take some more concerted steps to revisit and and watch a bit more and pull back into the seasonals. So. Uh, Whenever we do 2020, that one will be even drier than 2019. But uh, but for now, we'll we'll make of this year what we can. Sounds good. So for the last couple of years, we've been starting off these shows with our misses of the year, uh, the shows that just didn't sit well with us for whatever reason. I only have one for this year, and. I know that it has its fans, and that's totally cool if it's your thing, Um, but I tried watching this series, and I just could not get through it, and that would be the Helpful Fox Senko-san. Helpful Fox, I get it. She's a 
guardian, spirit, god, whatever you want to call her. She's several hundred years old, so it's, you know, cool and all, but it was just way too creepy for me Ah, to get through this entire series. I just, I couldn't do it. I I was wondering if it was just you know, Moe cutely cloying, or if it uh, indeed broke into your uh, creepiness. Because, you know, it's Dogakobo, it's uh, uh, cute girls, it's uh, Yashike sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I can I can see how that uh, <laughs> would go a little bit over the edge. Uh, is this something you figure you would have been into a lot more if this were, you know... 10 years earlier into your uh, watching and and you just you know th- this kind of thing throws you off at this point whereas it never used to or uh, or is it more of a uh, uh, you've just seen enough of it that whatever you would normally gain from a series like this isn't enough to uh, to overshoot what what you feel like you might lose from it if this had come out 10 years earlier, I can guarantee that I probably would have been all over it, and I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. Uh, my tastes back then were very different. Uh, back 10 years ago, I was probably still a big fan of Bo Daitama and, and series like Kisses. So, <laughs> you know, back then, my tastes were radically different. And, <laughs> So, yeah, I can say that if this had come out, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been more into it. But now I'm just over it, I suppose. Now, what's most important, uh, is it officially Kiss-Sis or Kiss-X-Sis or Kiss-Cross-Sis? I believe it's just Kiss-Sis. Okay. That's that's the necessary question whenever that damn X comes up. <laughs> In what way do they meet it this time? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my, my miss for me, I think, was... It's, it's not a subject matter thing. It's not uh, any kind of presentation thing. Uh, it... I believe it's just between the amount of buildup I mentally had going in and the inability for it to live up to it. Because I, I could not imagine that going into a music-based Shinichiro Watanabe series done by Bones and looking at, you know, extraordinary would eventually just drain my enthusiasm from it but uh by by the midpoint of carolyn tuesday uh i i was just i i just started missing a few episodes being like i'll catch back up and then decided that i didn't really care if i caught back up and on the whole that's not something i could at all imagine going into it considering you know the general pedigree uh, now maybe the, you know, it's, it's not like it was a jazz based thing. So certainly I didn't have quite as much attachment on a music standpoint, but for me, I think it just came down to the, uh, the, the fact that the presentation of what they were doing 
which was, you know, being a refreshing, uh, you know, musical artistry introduced in an AI-driven kind of, one assumes, uh, samey, uh, uh, you know, public exposure, public opinion-driven thing that it, it seemed like they were making sort of an uh, analog to, uh, I guess, many of the complaints that, uh, you know, folks have about anime itself, that it's uh, too otaku taste-driven. Uh, so if you think about it, if you, if you have just the mass public and they've all been, you know, torqued a certain way musically over time, then you can see, okay, these AIs are simply here uh, to do it. It's a, it's a uh, commentary, of course, on, you know, the Britney Spearsification, the popification of uh, the music industry in general. But what it ultimately came down to was I could not detect that in all of the musical, quote-unquote, foes, quote-unquote, <laughs> the artists they were competing against, their music, I did not detect that it was at all presented in a way that made me think, oh, this was done by AI. They all, you know, had a, a different kind of vibrancy. They were conveyed well by the artists. They were interesting. Some of them were like, there's not a chance that a like popular-driven AI thing would come up with this, I don't know what it is, like, Gregorian chant <laughs> rap <laughs> opera thing, or... Or something that I will give definitely a year's honorable mention, the Mermaid Sisters uh, song in that uh, idol contest was the best moment of 2019, quite possibly. Uh, <laughs> it's profanity-laden amazement. So it was built foundationally to what's going on, but I, I couldn't get it out of the show. And I'm like, build a different concept. If you want to make it where these two are just sort of unconventional artists, it, ca it came down to the two of them. They were, they were a duet instead of a solo act, which almost everyone else was, <laughs> except for the Mermaid Sisters. And they were kind of, you know, folksy and acoustic rather than, you know, the, the rest of quote-unquote modern music. And sure, they had appeal, but, you know, that that was supposedly it. If you're going to build a structure, if you're going to base it on Mars, a terraformed Mars and be all futuristic and other stuff, then you have to convey uh, what it is you're setting up. And this was a case of, we're telling you that this is the case, but I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> over time, I just lost interest in, in what the story that they were trying to tell. And I'm like, that's just very disappointing to me. So uh, I I remain frustrated, and maybe someday I'll uh, I'll uh, loosen loosen up a bit and uh, see if I can make it through the rest just for the auditory experience and the overall well animated experience and the enjoyable character designs and relationships, but. Uh, but it, it was frustrating that it uh, that it just you know turned on itself as it were. So bad show, naughty, <laughs> wicked. naughty wicked show. Don't do that. 
So, alright, uh, did you have any honorable mentions for this year of series that you wanted to put on your list but just couldn't find the space for this time? Uh, I have a few things that I'll just, you know, call out in, in general. Some of them were ones that I don't want to put on to, to double up but want to at least mention. Uh, Chihayo Fudu Season 3 came back and was extraordinary. It got delayed, so it only, instead of being both cores in 2019, it was only one of them, and it wrapped over to 2020. But uh, I got to to love seeing them return. Um, there were a number of uh, good movies. Of course, Promare came out. Uh, we got a follow-up to Violet Evergarden, which, uh, you know, provoked uh, uh, enough enthusiasm from us last year as the series goes. Uh, Bunny Girl Senpai had its movie come out as well. There was a, a continuation movie for Hibike Euphonium. So there's a, a bunch of good stuff. Uh, sadly, Heaven's Feel Part 3 got interrupted this year for me by COVID. But I want to give a shout out to one of the most amazing fight scenes between Saber and Berserker in Lost Butterfly Part 2. Because uh, goddamn, that was that was UFO table at their uh, <laughs> at their animating this uh, uh, special effectsness best between the the two of them cracked out. Uh, and I'm also going to give an honorable mention to episode seven of Babylon. And that's all I'm going to leave it at, because if anyone has watched Babylon, they know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> in in a heart-wrenching scene, that's not the way you normally think about <laughs> with that. And I guess if you're going to go into it because of a comment like this, then uh, just be forewarned. Uh, <laughs> but I guess we can we can move along now. I, I don't have any honorable mentions this year. I will echo your sentiments about Chihayafuru Season 3, um, just simply because it was an amazing experience to have it come back after six freaking years of waiting and teasing from the production committee. Definitely. Uh, now, now we can continue to scream, S4 when, S4 when. <laughs> but it, it was a it was a long painful wait but uh, I actually does... I'm sorry I actually, I'm just yeah. gonna finish with it does make me hope we will get all of it in time yeah eventually I'm really hoping that we do I actually have a friend who recently went into Chihaya Furu for the first time which surprised me i really figured that he would have watched it a lot sooner but he watched the first two seasons binged through them fairly quickly uh and then left a comment saying that if he wanted the full he understood that if he wanted the full experience he was gonna have to put the series aside for the next six years but that just wasn't gonna <laughs> happen and i'm not like the, yeah not in the cards no probably not don't worry, just uh, get them hooked on Space Brothers. And uh, 
and then he'll he'll be waiting desperately along with the rest of us. <laughs> so, alright, let's get into our main lists. Uh, let's go ahead, let's start with our first choice. What is your number one for 2019? Okay. Uh, I'm going to return to some of what I was doing at the beginning of the these lists, which was picking things that I just sort of want to talk about rather than necessarily I, you know, is my top five or uh, really, really wanted to. I'm just using this for sort of commentary. And I'm going to lead off with something that got memed up a bit and has a weird reputation, and that would be Domestic Girlfriend, or Domecano. Uh, <laughs> the way this thing... I, I've read the manga for a while. Uh, this particular author and uh, the other author who do does things like uh, In the Town Where You Live and uh, Fuka, uh, it, it, they're kind of, you know, crazy relationship drama, largely smutty, uh, largely <laughs> revolves around some useless schlub that all of the hot girls throw themselves at. So, you know, it's uh, it, it's uh, quite a lot of harem dreck most of the time. But there is a, there's a flavor of perverse enjoyment to get out of it. Uh, this particular series begins in a way that, I don't know, usually you assume this is at least halfway, if not the end of the first major arc. But chapter goddamn one starts with the setup of you meet our, you know, kind of schlubby guy. He's presented. He obviously has a crush on his young teacher. Uh, uh, but she being a teacher is, uh, you know, obviously and unattainable. So he's a kind of depressive, you know, noble soul you know, but uh, uh, a pathetic sort. Uh, he decides that uh, there is no hope in this. He's just going to give up and, you know, crush his feelings aside. And he goes and joins a friend, a bunch of friends doing sort of a blind date kind of karaoke party and, uh, and joins them. And in the end, he ends up leaving the place with another girl who was disinterested in what was going on. And, uh, she in a very, you know, dojinshi, uh, uh, <laughs> glory, uh, asks, uh, you know, if he wants to have sex in that she simply wants to lose her virginity. Both of them are virgins at this point. So they, they do the deed and then neither of them feel good after it he's using it to try to get over uh hot for teacher she's using it simply to try to feel something and doesn't particularly she thought it might and then they just go their separate ways never to see each other anymore uh literally i don't know like a page later <laughs> when when natsu goes home his father announces that he's getting remarried uh, oh, and by the way, I'm I'm getting remarried to this woman. Oh, and uh, you know she and her family are going to 
live with us. Oh, and they're coming over right now. Oh, that's them at the door. And Natsua opens the door to see, you know, his future, uh, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Stepmother. Stepmother. But but then he also sees both his teacher and the girl that he just slept with, who are sisters, who are now his Uh, (laughs) half-sisters. That's the end of chapter one. And it's such a ludicrous setup that I'm like, okay, fine. What what the hell else can you possibly do with this series to me? Uh, so that ran for 28 total volumes. And in fact, the ending of it is kind of crazy and uh, drove people, a lot of people nuts. And I find it hilarious. Uh, I'm not going to go there because, of course, we're talking about the anime. The reason I bring this up is just to present the ludicrousness, but it's also just to chat about this. What I find is a weird genre of we get an anime adaptation of a thing that's long running, you know, in 20 plus volumes at that point, but it pretty much looks like they go in assuming that this is the only time we're going to get it. We've only been given one core, so it's going to be like wonkily paced, and then we have to throw in some kind of anime conclusion to it. And I find this such a weird, you know, B or C tier worth of we get to do an anime. I'm like, (laughs) should these bother getting an anime at all? Or if they do, shouldn't they at least have something like, shouldn't they have gone in with a two-core commit? Something that could possibly get somewhere towards what the, uh, you know, the author is. I mentioned uh, Fuka as well, and different author, but similar, very similar type for me. And again, that was something, by the time the anime came along, uh, which, you know, it's, it's, it's always some manner of, five six years down the line from when the manga started so it's uh, to have 20 plus volumes you've got to have been going for a long time they don't need an anime really they're not popular enough to have been it yes maybe they're trying to do it to you know bring people into the manga i know that's the a big thing is let's boost the the manga sales or whatever but these always have just sort of a weird tone for me and and an extent of pointlessness for me because they have to wrap things up at the end of one and and due to the way that they are it's not like one where you can sort of fake and undo it if you do happen to be popular enough and you do eventually get a, a continuation you can be like oops no this happened instead or just never ye mind and uh you know and I, it, it, it feels like it's one thing to me if you were given a decent beginning and maybe it didn't do well enough for you to continue or there wasn't enough source for you to have continued at that point and then you redo it. So the, the Full Metal Alchemist, the Brotherhood effect uh, uh, for this where they would eventually just redo everything, sprint through the beginning a bit because it already had a, a, a show, but do it pure and, and total. And of course... 2019 we get another premium example of that uh but for these ones where they go in they get only one core they may not even get 
you know, 12 or 13 episodes. Sometimes it can be less, depending. And it, but it's nowhere near being able to convey the story. And it's not the kind of thing that you're like, you know, should this, what can it do in one core? When, how do you get the effect of ending chapter one when you throw that at, when you throw the whole reveal of the sisters at the door and the ludicrousness of this situation, when you throw that in right before a commercial break in the middle of episode one, and then you still have more to go. I'm like, you even ruined the, the effect that made me read the rest of this goddamn work. You even ruined that uh, simply because of episode one. Uh, so I'll, I'll stop babbling, but I don't know, you know, what, do you have examples of this same sort of thing? And, and what is your impression of them? Uh, in this case. I don't... I can't think of any specific examples off the top of my head uh, because I'm just not as experienced with manga as I should be at this point in my career. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't paid, you know, that close of attention to things like readership numbers or circulation or copies being sold or that kind of thing, unless it's like a super huge mega popular title. I can think of examples of series where they wanted it to be popular and they gave it a good college effort. Uh, Kaicho Wameitsama is a good example of this, where they put in a good two-core effort to try and pull in an audience and then failed miserably. So yeah, but I know what you're talking about and I know, you know, that it does happen. I just can't think of any examples off the top of my head of, you know, my personal experiences. Yeah, that, well, that, that feels to me like the, okay, here's us giving the, uh, the good old college try. So Oran is the same sort of thing. You know, you get two cores out of the gate, you put them together. There is no raptor. There's a satisfying way to end stuff like that without having it be an ending, without having it deviate from source necessarily. I'm not sure if uh, Maid Sama does that, like, does it wrap up? But that's what I'm used to. It's like, okay, we have plenty to, to work with. We can commit to two here, and then we can judge after that fact. But it feels like there's this other genre of one is all we will ever possibly get, so here it is. <laughs> and But by that token, they they wrap up. Uh, so one example that does wrap up with two would be a Kamiga kill. Uh, so, you know, you, you can see that work somewhat the other way, but it's not like the manga had, you know, a, a huge amount to go and a huge amount more to say at the time. Uh, and I think, you know, they did side stories and other stuff. So if it's popular enough, you can still tell other stuff in the universe because it prevents one. Uh, presents one, but this isn't a world that you can tell things from. It's literally the story of these characters, and if you wrap it up in one core, you've gone in knowing that uh, it it will be done. And sometimes, like in the case of Fuka, you wrap it up in a way that is denying the only way in which that series became interesting after a certain number of uh, chapters. So... Uh, 
it, it it's such a a weird thing and yeah I, i'm trying to think of other ones off the top of my head as well the these two came to mind just because of the straight parallel and, and them both being recent year series but uh it it feels like uh it feels like i should pull a few more <laughs> out of the bag and go like should these even be a thing but uh i guess it was worth it if only for the op which is a goddamn banger <laughs> yeah i mean thinking about it more the only examples i can really think of of series that you know got the one core and then went away and will probably never come back are like Neutonema series, like Princess Jellyfish <laughs> is a series that gave it a good one core effort and then just kind of went away. Um, more recently, there was If My Favorite Pop Idol Made It to Budokan, I Would Die. I added <laughs> that to my feature of 2020 anime that you probably didn't watch. Uh, they gave that a good one core effort, but it was pretty obvious from the beginning that you know it's just not gonna come back so you do have shoujo examples of the same thing but they tend to not be the these two in particular uh fuka and domekano end in a way that's like okay here is the romance ending of the series we're going to pretend that it was much shorter and ends this way uh, but uh, a shoujo one that went into here was uh, Anonymous Noise, which I think they knew from the beginning they'd probably only get one shot at it, and there was not much going on. So it it ends at a dramatic time, but it doesn't end in a conclusion, and it doesn't wrap itself up uh, in a way that uh, you know is original to the anime. So that that feels like. Uh, they just didn't have enough. It, it's not a popular enough thing to have warranted two to start. So uh, Let's go ahead. Let's keep going. I will go ahead with my number one. You kind of briefly hit on this while you were talking about uh, Domestic Girlfriend. I'm going to front load my series, my list, uh, and I'm going to bring up that series that you were hinting at, and that <laughs> would be Fruits Basket, the reboot. Okay, Fruits Basket Brotherhood. That's that's later in my list simply because I was guessing when you might bring it up, and I actually thought you'd bring it up later because it it feels like the heavy hitter of this year, probably for both of us. Yeah, but I wanted to just kind of. I had a feeling that we were both going to be wanting to talk about this, so I just thought, you know what, let's get it out of the way early because it is worth the discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of people who are listening probably expected us to bring this series up at some point. So again, let's just yeah. get it all out in the open. Uh, Fruits Basket Brotherhood is, in my opinion, superior to the original in just about every single way. Uh, the animation is better. The character designs are great. The pacing is just so much better. Uh, I really enjoyed this first season of brother of uh, brotherhood um i love how that's literally the official name now yeah 
Uh, I really enjoyed it. The one thing that I really enjoyed about this series, though, is uh, a reminder, I'm a dub watcher. I watch my series dubbed most of the time. And I really like that, despite the fact that the series, the original series aired back in, like, 2001, um, that Funimation brought back pretty much the entire original cast, with exception, with some notable exceptions like Momichi. Um, <laughs> honestly, the voice of Shigure in English is the voice for Shigure in my head. I just I tried listening to this in Japanese, and it just did not sound right to me. I just could not meld in my head. The, dis the difference between the Japanese voice of Shigure and the English voice of Shigure. So I had to wait for it to be fully dubbed so that I could watch it that way instead. Certainly, I, I have not partook, uh, but it is an interesting contrast. I, I, uh, I remember watching some of the original back in the day. I don't think I watched all of the... Not the Dean Stay Night, but the Dean Fruba <laughs> back in in off one. Uh, the timing was was certainly bad. That's where I had my uh, few years off. But uh, I did, uh, you know, pick up the manga uh, at some point later because that was at, that was library fodder. And right when libraries started picking up manga more, I found it interesting. I could just go to a public library and sit there and read manga all day. It was <laughs> So the, there is the interesting parallel that in anime in general, I think unless you have something that has been going on, you know, continued, maybe it, it hasn't had multiple cores, but it's had interstitial movies in between, and then it comes back with something else. It seems to that they very rarely keep the same seiyu going between one series and another if there's too much time between them. Uh, so when Sailor Moon came back with Crystal, I'm pretty sure everyone but Usagi was different. And uh, I think everyone is different in uh, Fruits Basket. So uh, I don't have anyone yeah, to... that was you know, by math anything the author. Mm. But the... Uh, the uh what is it yeah the industry you know i it feels like a lot of people tend to they don't necessarily go out if they're major enough but they tend to get such a dearth of roles in the future and they're all of a particular type that even if they sound much like they did 18 years prior when they were playing a, a high school girl or a you know young 20s man uh, they still are just not envisioned as being able to play those roles again, which itself is a little weird. You'd uh, you'd think that uh, the, their established audience would simply want to hear the people that's there, but maybe there's too much churn in their direction as well. I've, I have a feeling that if anyone, you know, listened, is interested in Fruits Basket <laughs> out here in the dub, especially, they probably did pursue that from uh, from back in the day. And the uh, the Dean Furuba is uh, is another one like uh, <clears throat> like Oran, where that's what I'm used to. They just took they put together two core of the series, and they're like, okay, here we go. 
and then maybe if it did well enough, they would have brought it back. But I guess, I guess it didn't, or there it would maybe it sold well enough, but wasn't considered good or popular enough, or just got overwritten in the amount of time. I'd be I'd be very interested in knowing the numbers that go into that sort of thing, and and when you're supposed to. Uh, come back or not did it not boost the manga enough with, with its existence and so therefore another you know turn at the wheel wouldn't uh wouldn't pay off the uh production of the anime i don't i don't really know i, I want numbers for everything <laughs> so yeah i mean fruits basket i didn't watch it when it first came out i've watched well i mean the original not the right. 2019 reboot the reboot i watched immediately uh as soon as it was available in english uh but the original i watched a good you know probably five or six years after it originally came out uh and i remember watching it when i was living down in oregon and i tweeted out that night i'm like yeah i'm kind of late to the party but this fruits basket thing is pretty good <laughs> pretty good huh <laughs> yeah i was like okay i now i see the point now i see the whole thing with this series uh and so i was really excited when the reboot was announced and i've been just absolutely floored by it ever since I was most excited because they announced it by saying we are doing the entirety of the manga beginning to end, you know, basically a direct adaptation and committing to the full thing, which I'm not sure. I think people were trying to guess how many cores that would be at the end. It's like it be six or eight or whatever it goes. But the fact that they laid out with it meant, okay, I can't be cut off from the story like last time. So therefore... Therefore, good, good, good. I suppose they could always cancel it if it did poorly enough. But if you go in thinking that they committed to, you know, only two core, then you have to wonder whether or not it's the kind of thing where, well, maybe they'll just give up again. Like, uh, like the last time they just stopped making them and never came back. Uh, if they could stop halfway through the story again, just because the modern audience isn't fruits baskety enough. Mm-hmm. It would be, it would be sad, but uh, so the most encouraging thing was them announcing that they would cover the whole, the whole deal. Since you had that one on your list, should I keep going and? Yeah, go do another because my my next one will, uh, will will have it, its own thing. So you should continue to a second now. Okay. Cool. So, my second series that I have on my list is maybe a little surprising. I wrote a feature about it about halfway through its run because it was just so adorable that I just felt the need to write about it. Um, basically, for those who don't know me, I'm a dog person. I've always been a dog person. I love dogs. That They're, they're my animal. You know, that's just kind of how it is. Uh, but my wife is a cat person. And so we have cats. Uh, <laughs> up until the point that I moved in with my wife, 
uh, I had not had any cats in my life. I had them when I was really, really young, but we didn't really keep cats um, around the house. We kept dogs instead. Uh, so my experience with cats was a very steep learning curve. I had to learn how to adjust very, very quickly after I moved in with my wife. Um, so I share that story because that story is kind of parallel to this next entry, and that would be my roommate is a cat. Shocking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But yeah, so My Roommate is a Cat is basically about an author who lives alone in his house. He rarely goes out. He basically just, you know, comes out to have meetings with his editor, and that's about it. Uh, he recently lost his parents in an accident, uh, so he's completely alone in the world. And then when he go he goes to visit his parents' grave, a stray cat appears out of nowhere and literally just kind of attacks him for mm. the food that he's leaving as an offering. And he decides on a whim to pick up this cat and take it home with him and give it a home. Uh, and what's really fun about this series and what I think is really a unique way of going about it is that the first two thirds of every episode well, not every episode, but just about every episode, is focusing on the author and his adjustment to living with a cat for the first time and having, you know, a respons having responsibilities and having another life form that is literally depending on him. Um, and then the last third of most of the episodes takes place from the perspective of the cat which I thought was just really interesting and a really fun way to tell the story. Uh, the series itself is not afraid to gut punch you in the feels. <laughs> there are stories about how the history of this particular cat and the rough upbringing that it had as a stray. Um, it's just a really good, fun series. I haven't gone back to it recently because of those episodes that just gut punch you but even still it's just a really great fun series and if you haven't watched it even if you're not a cat person you should probably check it out it's just it's really worth it uh that's another one that i watched some of and then for some reason didn't continue with and i'll get around to it but uh Yes, it was definitely, I could certainly see the potential. Uh, I think the the general just sort of malaise for me, for me with this year. I kept watching things and then just not being enthused as much as I was in previous years. I don't know if it's because I force-fed too much in the 17 and 18, but, uh, but I would, uh, I would get out of sorts so i lost track of this one as well but it's uh... yeah i mean like i said it's worth watching i really enjoyed it i the one thing that i don't like about this series is that they did not translate the manga title literally for the english title which i think is a shame because the japanese title literally translates into my roommate is in my lap and sometimes on my head which i think yeah. is just 
a wonderful title for a manga. If you're going to have one of those long, annoying titles, make it kind of catchy. And I think that one is really kind of catchy. So I wish that they had kept the literal translation for the English title. And uh, an appropriate cover image for the first manga where Haru is on on his head. Yes. So. Definitely we'll get back to. So, alright, let's go ahead, let's move along to, let's see, I guess that would make it our number three. So, what is your number three? Now, this is uh, a semi-cheat, because I feel like chatting about two of them together, there's just not a lot of uh, uh, to go with it. Uh, or there's not a whole lot of commentary about them, except the, the simple terms. One of them just to me ex- exemplifies sort of the the when anime genres just keep merging together. So uh, I've mentioned in previous years and we've talked about some of the good isekai that we've we've watched or found compelling whether whether it be reincarnated as a slime or B0 or uh, or other stuff. But then you get these things like, didn't I say to make my abilities average in the next life? Which is a serviceable isekai, but it's just kind of a cute girls doing cute isekai thing. The The hook is someone, uh, she was just 12 years old when she was uh, met Chuck-kun, or I, I forget how she went. No, yeah, she, she was a Chuck-kun. Uh, <laughs> and she she always had unrealistic expectations placed on her and didn't have a didn't have a life with friends and other things so she uh was offered to to be reincarnated into a fantasy world and her only request was that she would be given average abilities so that she could live a normal life and so the monkey paw powers that be gave her magical abilities that were the sum total of all magical creatures in the world averaged out, which made her thousands of times more powerful than the average human, which of course <laughs> she still was. So she's immensely strong, you know, tiny girl body, but she's immensely strong, stupendously powerful in magic. And she's going to an academy and she's busy trying to hide what she can do uh, so that she can make friends. She still wants to live uh, an average life and have normal friends and fun, even though, of course, they're in a fantasy world and are are going to go, you know, joining guilds and hunting monsters and doing quests all day. But still, this is very important. So it's it's nice. It's it's an interesting uh, cast and crew. The you know it's a nice design four pack of uh, characters. But our main character, of course, has her humor hook that she's trying to work around. And and in the meanwhile, all they're really doing is going around and they're hunting and uh, and playing out the comedic elements from the setup and then trying to pretend they can throw in serious or dramatic elements in the middle of it. 
and it's just sort of you know an enjoyable time but it's part of the you know melding of everything and you know of course it's a light novel series so that it'll continue forever and have its its weird shtick uh but a lot of them are not you know doing the okay here's how we skew the the concept and uh <clears throat> and do stuff which is normally what interests me and is the second title i'm gonna bring up uh but here's just one where the setup is very very simple it feels kind of normy but somehow you'll like it anyway and i'm i'm not sure why it works but <laughs> it's a it's at least worth watching if you're next to it, but it, it's just such of a, a weird sort of commodification of what's going on. Uh, now, the other one does have at least a hook that's interesting in, uh, uh, what is it? This one is another light novel series with a long title. Uh, over here, it came out as Ascendance of a Bookworm. Yeah, I had that one on my list as well. Oh, okay. So we can we can go in further. So this is the kind of isekai that appeals to me more uh, because it... Uh, well, actually, since you have it on your list and I just went through one, I'll let you uh, present it and then we'll just continue the, the chat. So Ascendance of a Bookworm, for those of you who have not watched it, is another isekai where... Uh, college girl who is studying to become a librarian uh, is isekai'd into a new world uh, into the body of a, of a frail young girl except for she remembers everything about her previous life so she basically completely eschews this fantasy medieval world by inventing things that they had not even imagined could exist she she invents shampoo and crochet and pound cake and just all sorts of different things and is seen as a genius with technology from far into the future even though it's all really simple stuff that you'd think that this village would have invented by now but apparently not <laughs> i did look up you know when some of the more unbelievable ones came up i did look up sort of you know from a historic perspective when certain things came out including uh a more modern kind of you know what were hair treatments like at a, at a period in time and i'm like oh okay that's interesting over here what was this type of cake like because I, I forget which type of one it was it, it's some kind of a different kind of shortcake i guess that uh that appealed to people or or maybe it was even the hotcakes and it's like well what how did the what did they used to be and i'm like okay i can i can see why even here still it's there but you you skip two things first was the matter of her death how did the, our librarian get uh get transported to this world if i recall correctly something fell on her head but i may be wrong about that she was crushed to death under a pile of books during an earthquake. Oh, okay, now I remember. <laughs> and that's why, what is all of this in service of? Her inventing of things is because she ends up sort of hooking up with a merchant-type 
to strike deals to sell these and make a profit on it. But what is all of it in service of? It's in service of her love of books and this world, like paper and the printing press and anything that could make it available to the masses is not there. So as with far in the past, it is very much out of the reach of uh, uh, the normies and uh, very much in royalty and the, the rich and powerful. They're the only, the only ones who have anything that's a semblance of what one might consider a book. So her large drive, certainly through the first two seasons, is trying to basically invent paper and then be able to uh, provide it to you know the merchants so that they could mass produce it and she would get a cut of the profits of it but she wants to spread paper craft around so that uh, you, books can become a thing again so her her love of books and wanting to become a librarian and getting to crush to death <laughs> that's why she is very much the bookwormiest of bookworms and uh Oh, yeah, there's also actual, you know, magic and weird, you know, diseases and other stuff going on in this world as well. So that that's the part to me that's a little weird is I, I thought that they would present it as much more of a straight, less of a fantasy world with magical elements and more of a straightforward uh, uh, world that's just, you know, kind of sort of the past. So this is Middle Ages Europe analog. Uh and that's, of course, because when you have magic in there, it's it's weird to have things. It's like, couldn't they have just used magic for all of these things that uh, <laughs> technology would eventually take care of, but uh, magic could have done? So <clears throat> it's a question mark. It's not a high magic place by any stretch, though. So it's no. it's there for drama and it's there for for her to aspire against and, and occasionally have some weirdly badass moments for our sickly five-year-old girl named mine but uh it's it's definitely very cute uh and it's a uh, another amusing way it's it's not of course the most unheard of thing a, a connecticut yankee in king arthur's court uh i assume was rather the foundation of the going back in time and using your modern knowledge to affect you know the past and start Hacking everything up at a at a time in which it wouldn't have otherwise, uh, and I think it, it's got a weird sort of shades of uh, spice and wolf and value due to the uh, you know the elements of bringing in the mercantile class alongside as well because that's the reason why she's the case. she does some things just for personal enjoyment and uh, and then finds that oh wait they have value over here so she'll sell it to uh to be able to fund her paper craftness so <laughs> it's got amusing advancement uh as well but uh, i'm not sure how far it goes didn't they announce a, a another season or am i mixing up i don't recall hearing anything about a third season mm, okay so yeah we got a uh we got a stretched out interrupted season two i guess Due to yeah, due to COVIDy things, but uh, I thought that uh, they'd mentioned something else. Who knows? Light novel still ongoing. It's got 
my God, it's got 25 novels in the course of five years. So uh, <laughs> that's know. like, you know, Raildex levels of production right there. <laughs> so I don't know if that author has any other series or just came on the scene doing this and and it's selling. So just keep, keep pounding this stuff out. But uh, but it's a fun time. So yeah, that, uh, the reason I wanted to bring the both of them up next to each other was because of the dichotomy. Ascendance of a Bookworm is the kind of isekai that is more appealing to me because it's trying to take the concept and spin it in a different way. And the average abilities one kind of almost does nothing <laughs> with it at all. It's a very tropey setup. It's just sort of bringing it. It's not your usual, you know cocky guy going in there's there's no harem elements in it certainly so it's it, it, it along with a few other ones is sort of doing the uh cute girl doing cute uh things interpretation of it through an isekai fantasy comedy adventuring party did you watch that one at all or uh no i missed that one i wanted to watch it but i just never got around to it Yep, time, time. Need more of it. <laughs> so should I go ahead with my next one, or are you going to go ahead with your next one? Uh, how many... My math is gone. How many more do you have on your list? I have two more on my list. Okay, well, uh, I guess we'll... Because I'm normally going before you, so I'll... I will continue with my next one, and then I have effectively one more. Okay. I did mention a number of movies, and I did uh, decide to save one for the list, because 2019 is the year that uh, Shinkai returned after uh, blowing out Moviedom with your name, and uh, being, I don't know... For most people, it was pretty pretty affecting. It was the first time that Shinkai did a like a popular one that ended in a way that people liked. So I think there was a lot of expectations for Weathering with You, which is what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, it does not meet them to the highs that your name is. Uh, it doesn't try to have any of the same kind of you know, the out-of-left-field hooks that your name also has, uh, but the supernatural elements in it are still interesting. And overall, I just think it's it's still an enjoyable, you know, ride around with these characters. Uh, it, of course, is staggeringly good-looking, screen-lickingly screen good, as uh, pretty much everything... Shinkai after five centimeters per second has been. Uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of the effects in this are are pretty uh, astounding. The the music mixing, he's got you know rad rad wimps, and this time uh, was brought in from the beginning, so the music is uh, merged with everything in the anime to a degree that it was not really with your name, uh, which is an appealing element of it. This was the movie that I finally was able to do because it, it hit a normie release. Uh, it wasn't just, you know, two releases on a theater 
over here and then two on a theater 50 miles away. Uh, this one, my local AMC had it on a general broadcast so I could just go in and see like four showings of it during a day if I felt like, which I didn't. But it, <laughs> meant, it meant that my uh, pass could let me just after the original weekend, I could just watch it a few more times. So this is the one that I use to break up uh, my watching total during the original run of a movie. My watch total uh, uh, record had been three, uh, which Your Name did. I didn't manage to get a fourth for Your Name, but I was trying. And that's why I made sure to get a fourth with Weathering Review. But uh, Fellowship of the Ring, I did as well because uh midnight showing and then had to watch it with other friends so i went back a bunch of times but phantom menace also held that uh title so i had to kick it out so that i could not have a record that phantom menace was a part of <laughs> that was the most important thing to me uh and this is definitely a an enjoyable run it is not I'm not sure where I'd put it. I, I definitely put it after Your Name and Garden of Words and Five Centimeters Per Second. So it's lower down on the Shinkai hierarchy. And it makes me wonder, you know, of course, I, I mentioned this as uh, 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 last year because uh, Mirai no Mirai, uh, Mamoru Hosoda's movie where, you know, Wolf Children is my favorite movie <laughs> regardless Boy and the Beast was really good, and then Mirai was, you know, fine, good, but didn't strike me. So now I'm like, is Shinkai going to follow the same pattern? Because I enjoyed this one a, a, a lot to the same degree that I enjoyed Boy and the Beast compared to uh, Wolf Children. But does that mean that I'm building myself up for disappointment with whatever the next one is? And, uh, and I hope not. I want people to break trends, but... Uh... <laughs> I forget what his uh, next one is. I think they've named it already, but I haven't seen anything from it. But uh, I, I forget if you've done anything Shinkai yet. I think I have watched like five centimeters per second and possibly one or two other of his early works, but I have not watched anything recent from him. Now, one thing you should watch, uh, at least, I think it's still streaming, because you brought up a cat series here uh, in recent years. Uh, he had a 20-year-old short uh, called She and Her Cat, but it was brought back 2016, something like that, uh, with an extended version called She and Her Cat, Everything Flows, which uh, I think for me has the record for the uh, a very cheating level, the shortest time between beginning of work and, you know, provoked tears <laughs> due to what's going on. I'm like, yeah, this one is, uh, uh, is definitely a feels, feel storm. Uh, so if it, if you just, uh, you know, get through uh, anything with uh, my roommate is a cat again, you could have another cat venture of a of a different sort. But uh, I think you would find it uh, wor worthwhile 
uh, affecting. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to break up the Isekai chat a little bit. Uh, and I'm going to bring up the last... I have two series left on my list. I have one Isekai left to discuss, but I'm going to save that one for last. Uh, I want to break things up a little bit and talk about a series that really had no business being as good as it was, Mm -hmm. but it was just so freaking enjoyable. Plus it had just the boppiest opening and ending theme. It's rare that you can say that a series have, has a genuinely good opening and ending. Usually there's one or the other, but in this case, in this case, both the opening and ending were just really good and really catchy. And so the series that I'm talking about is how heavy are the dumbbells that you lift? (laughs) Okay. Yes. This, uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, Onigai Muscle is definitely a, a treat for, Treat for the eyes and ears. Yeah, I mean, the series, I think, was meant to be kind of just a basic fan service series, both fan service and man service, I should say, because there's plenty of both to go around. Uh, But yeah, I mean, the series was just, I'm not even a gym person. I don't (laughs) work out, like, ever. I'm terribly out of shape. It's kind of sad. Um, but this series was just so much fun to watch. I don't remember the main character's name, but basically the basic idea is that it's just a high school girl who's put on some weight. So she wants to get fit. So she joins a gym and it's just, you know, this weird, I don't want to say slice of life series, Hmm. Because it does have the occasional actual plot. Uh, But yeah, it's basically just a high school girl getting fit and discovering different ways to work out. And yeah, it's so much fun. I loved this series from beginning (laughs) to end. I wish that I could watch it more often. But my wife actually dislikes the opening and ending theme. She finds them (laughs) annoying. So I can't really like turn it on as often as I would like. I see. You can, you can skip those, you know. It's allowed. I mean, it's bad for AMQ playing, but uh, <laughs> but if it prevents you from watching the show, so yeah, I I, I do find it amusing that uh, Hibiki could possibly see herself as, oh man, I've I've put on too much weight. I'm so unappealing right now. And I'm like, oh, wait, let me look at this character design here. And it's like, yeah, yeah, no, you're, <laughs> you're, you're good. <laughs> we're, we're fine. But yes, uh, definitely a Genki Ganguro girl. And uh, certainly a, a fun time and more Doga Kobo at its uh, Doga kobo yes. <laughs> Not sure how to phrase that. That kind of got away from me. <laughs> but, uh, I forget how muscular, you know, she would actually get by the end of the anime. But uh, that dude, man, I, 
<laughs> I love, I love that character where you know he he looks like a a beefy guy, but then when you uh, remove a shirt from the equation, he's gained two to three times his mass, and <laughs> it's pure obnoxious muscular craziness. So yeah, definitely I... a comedic element that they play up. Yeah, I mean, I loved that they had Machio, especially A, I love that they named him Machio, of all things. I thought mm -hmm. that that was hilarious. Um, but yeah, I loved the whole, you know, he's wearing a normal tracksuit and looks like just a dude. And then once he removes his tracksuit, he is, you know, two to three times larger than he should be, like you said. It's just, yeah, I never stopped being amused by that. I believe he is also a disciple of Barnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Short Schwarzenegger. <laughs> but, uh, yes, I think they should have a spinoff series where some uh, country learns the secrets of his tracksuit and uses it to make an invincibly armored uh uh you know army that can start taking over the world because what whatever tensile strength this thing has to hold all of his muscles into that normal shape obviously this has combat uses that are uh unforeseen <laughs> by doga koba so therefore <laughs> did you watch this entire series or did was this another series that you just kind of faded in and out of faded in and out of I uh, did not watch the whole thing I watched enough I sort of I got a weird enjoyment from the screenshotting in the channel going on because it seemed to be very you know meme worthy and uh, you know I'd, I'd listen to Onagai Muscle <laughs> on its own uh, and, I, and I'm not sure if it's because I Again, it just felt like the general malaise that was making me unable to keep up with a, a bunch of things. There were very few that I kept up week to week consistently. Uh, you know, Fruits Basket, uh, yes. Uh, or I would burn through, like, Kakigurui. But uh, even ones that I would eventually get through, I tended to slow down and come back to later. Like, uh, I mean, 2019 is the year of uh, Demon Slayer, but I'm pretty sure neither of us are going to have that on our list, so... Uh... No, I haven't even finished that. I'm, like, 17 or 18 episodes into it, and I'm, like, white-knuckling at this point, trying to finish off the first season. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things, and this was one of them. And I, I'm going to blame the existence of Mix for this, because they finally came back and did another Mitsuru Arachi anime, but it was not, you know, it, 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 but, but I was already soured on the manga itself because he did a, a literal sequel to a series, but it was Touch, and, it, you know, that's classic. That's one of his first, his first major popular work, which was huge back in the day, but it felt it feels like such an uninspired manga sequel to it. And of everything that they do, they don't do something that was never done before. They do yet another baseball one and, and bring back and, and animate mix. And I'm like, ah, oh, 
So I'm I'm gonna blame the existence of mix for for making me sour on things in general, unless I'm <laughs> really hooked on. I believe that means we have one left on our lists. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's go over to you. What is your last pick for 2019? Okay. Uh, we don't have to talk about it a lot because we literally had an expanding horizons where we talked about it. So I will point folks towards uh, that one, but I cannot get out of 2019 without mentioning one of the ones that uh, affected me most, which is Kaguya-sama, Love is War. So, you know, for me, if you're going to do a hype battle shonen, then you have to do it in a, a seinen magazine where the premise is ridiculous and it's got all manner of, uh, cleverness and other stuff going on in this case the only way that i think the anime could have let me down because i love the manga a lot up at that up until that point and other than uh a few others like uh komi-san uh there was very little that i was eager to see an anime of more than uh this and what it ended up being is even though it was a one doing it which i know a lot of people mean some level of bloody murder uh and even though the director that was tapped for it seemed like an odd choice because prior to that he was doing a lot of work for studio dean so again it's like uh whatever but it was sankarea then the Rosen Maiden, but he was basically just coming off the heels of uh, Rakugo. <laughs> Shogun Roku Rakugo Shinju. And I'm like, well, that doesn't feel much like Kaguya's song. And he had, a, uh, I guess, technically not immediately on the heels because he did Record of Grandcest War, and folks seemed to like that enough, although I think the subject matter wasn't uh, uh, popular that it that it drove through but the direction in rakugo was pretty amazing and in this case it was brought into kaguya with such a excellent uh and uh anime specific take on you know the, the comedic elements the comedy was driven well through uh, the storyboarding and everything else. So what could have made Kaguya-sama suffer was a bad adaptation. And in the, this case, it got just an excellent adaptation. And not to mention, probably the best OP of 2019. Uh, <laughs> we, we can have a, a fight over that, but uh, certainly from a visual aspect as well, it, it was great, but... Uh, like I said, there's not a whole lot that we need to talk about for it. I just can't leave a year like 2019 without uh, bringing bringing it up as one of the more affecting things that I didn't go in knowing it would already be, which, you know, I was pretty locked in to knowing that I would love Fruits Basket. I knew that there was a 0% chance that Chihaya wouldn't be, you know, one of my best times I could have. So this was something where I was keeping my fingers crossed. And instead of being... Uh, uh, crestfallen in the way that I was with Carolyn Tuesday eventually uh, I was just pleased start to finish with Kaguya-sama and I know that you just finished season two on your own so uh, I'll I'll let you take over anything else you want to say about it 
Uh, yeah, I mean, we covered it pretty well on the Expanding Horizons podcast that we did, you know, about a year ago. Can't believe that was a year ago. <laughs> my goodness. Time. Anyways, yeah. But anyways, um, but yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed this series. I thought that it was going to be just another, you know, will they or won't they series, but they had actual character development, uh, which was amazing to me because I'm not used to seeing that in series of this nature. <laughs> Plus the supporting cast, like Chika, Fujiwara, and Hayasaka, were just amazing and they made that series so much more watchable if it had just been the main characters i would have dropped that series in a heartbeat but the supporting cast just helped so much right they they build together they're they're definitely a cast all together that you need chica especially to be I, I love how she's the role of the quote-unquote straight man, except she's an agent of chaos, pure and simple. It's just her weird innocence is what uh, breaks into uh, Kaguya specifically, but uh, the both of them, and lets them play off into the uh, sublime and the ridiculous through the lens of uh, Chica doing just doing her thing. Uh, she gets a great ramen-eating uh, story. Mm -hmm. And, of course, she is the... Uh, uh, she gets the one... the single-use alternate ending uh, that uh, broke the internet for a few weeks, at least, in 2019. Because uh, the Chika Chikata, that, that dance and that mo-capness to it, the the number of parodies uh, of it that I could search out on on YouTube were were amazing. Uh, the Colossal Titan one, probably the most disturbing of them, but uh, I definitely love seeing enjoyment of a good show reflected into that kind of uh, uh, mimetic enjoyment in, in other areas as well. And uh, we're we're getting more Kaguya. This year, 2021, so uh, it's it's continuing to roll. Hopefully, you know, as far as I can tell, uh, I mean, I've been on with the manga the whole time. Uh, it's been declared in effectively its final arc. There's a question on how long that would be. So, you know, maybe final third of what it is. Uh, so I think it'll do well enough that we'll just keep getting, you know, one of these a year up until they finish the whole thing, which which would be great. So a, a bright spot in any season. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, so for my last pick, I am going to go with a series that I didn't really like. But uh, I'll even go so far as to say as I hate watched it because I was thinking I wanted to write an article about it. Uh, but then once I got to the end, I realized that I just did not want to think about that series as much, as little as I possibly could from then on out. Uh, <laughs> it, 
but amazingly, okay. it's a series. Yeah, it's a series that Anaplex put a lot of stock in to the point where they had figures ready to go at a moment's notice, and yet it just, I believe, bombed terribly. With the title of the series in question is another isekai, Do You Love Your Mom and Her Two-Hit Multi-Target Attacks. <laughs> I had a feeling that it might be this. You mentioned isekai before, and I'm like, are we gonna do Shield Hero or Cautious Hero, or wait, maybe this one. Yeah, we are gonna go ahead, we're gonna talk about Do You Love Your Mom, because frankly, it's just such a ridiculous series, and I really can't imagine why anybody thought that it was gonna be overly successful to the point where they had, you know, slime booby figures ready to go as <laughs> soon as the episode aired it was just it was ridiculous and it was not well done in the least it was had an annoying main character that nobody liked the story didn't really go anywhere it was just not a fun series like i said i hate watched it pretty much all the <laughs> way through Okay, I was um, going to wonder when the hate set in. And uh, apparently episode one and a half, at least. Yeah, it was... I admit the first episode caught my attention, but from, like, episode two onward, it was just a hate watch. I, <laughs> Like I said, I watched it purely because I thought that I was going to write an article about it. Um, I'm not sure what my article was going to be, but I thought that maybe I could get some material out of this series, and by the end of it, it was just, no, I don't want to think about this series again, I don't want to watch this series again. It was just bad. So, uh, it, it's not the, uh, it's not the, the fantasy, uh, the fantasy mother-son uh, isekai adventure that uh, you'd always dreamed of? <laughs> I can't say that I've ever really dreamed about a fa about a mother's son isekai before, <laughs> but I can guarantee that after this one, I never will. Mm, okay. How how what what's the uh, what the t t t i i, uh, which would be time to implied incest. What uh. What, what, how many minutes did that hit on the counter? Uh, I want to... They never go into that implication that deeply, as far as I remember. It's been a <laughs> while since I've watched this series. Oh, but, the, but the mother fan service only took about two or three episodes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, within, you know two episodes they have her dressing in skimpy outfits when they're shopping for armor within like three episodes they have her being attacked by by clothes eating slime sure sure so because you know that's just what they do that that is what happens i've played D, &D. that's every first adventure <laughs> 
So yeah, so this series was just bad on all levels. I like I mentioned earlier, I can't imagine why anyone thought that it was gonna be successful. The opening theme song is relatively catchy, but that's about as far as I can go with saying nice things about it. Yeah, no, I I knew it was gonna be bad from an outside look, and I was like, well, I'll let it play out in the uh, channel for a bit and just examine the screenshots and see what people are posting about it. I'm like, okay, not, none, none of my judging a book by the cover was incorrect in the slightest. So I'm, <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> but uh, poor moms. You're probably not going to get a whole lot of mom isekai if, uh, if that's what you got to go with. That was the living embodiment of it. Then, uh, then that genre may not have a bright future. We'll get more, more cute girls doing cute isekai. Although we're we're apparently getting a lot more. Uh, what is it? it? Like isekai video games, not in the Sword Art Online ones, but in the. Uh, in the ones where people are being reborn into games that they've played. But uh, I suppose if uh, if it's going to be like, you know, the villainous anime, then I'm perfectly fine with that somehow. But, yeah. <laughs> but there are other ones talking about death flags. It's uh, definitely a whole lot of uh, otaku, you know, head up ass, <laughs> giant light novel titles of Doom in our future, even still. So that, that's an interesting way to send off 2019, and in fact, this entire decade. Indeed. Do we have any final thoughts, comments, anything at all that you want to say about this year or this decade before we wrap up this series and call it good? Uh, I mean, not, not about this year, about this decade. I think it's interesting i mean that obviously anyone who's followed us through here is, has heard me gush and we're about to have a uh, a thing entirely dedicated to gushing about one particular series entirely from this decade but starting as early as i did and enjoying you know a lot the uh aesthetics of 80s anime and other things which i know for a lot of people locks them in to a particular way and following it out i find it interesting that so much of my very favorite stuff is from this decade the, the best handled series the best stories coming out of it my favorite tv shows uh certainly i like you know tv from this decade i think a lot more than uh television anime from any decade previous uh movies less so i can hop around and pick bright spots from all over the map but still my favorite and, and many of my tops are again from this decade and i've talked about them from year to year so uh it's it's gonna be hard even if we decide to start doing a past uh decade or you know in 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 2029 when we uh want to start talking about this decade uh uh it, it's it's going to be weird in comparison because this one feels like 
somehow, even though I'm, I was in my third decade of watching anime at that point, it, it just feels like an unbeatable level of it. it. It's hard for me to imagine that the future is going to match what we've gotten for all of these years. And, and I know that I've, I don't have a specifically thoughts about a golden age of, so maybe, maybe when I'm 80, <laughs> and we've had 40 more years of anime i'll think of this as the golden age of anime and and then that'll be appropriate maybe nothing else will line up and the, we just talked about the the golden age it's just gonna take a while the the audience is gonna have to be patient for that to happen <laughs> so all right let's go ahead let's wrap things up at that point uh thank you ct for joining me for these fun discussions i've had a lot of fun revisiting this decade with you it's been an excellent ride i enjoyed uh you know bringing bringing up and chatting about all of it and i'm sure we will be revisiting some of these real soon in the uh in the main line as i have to force you to watch some of the stuff you haven't and uh and you the same with me indeed so uh but yeah it's uh it's been a good run so I and thank you to all of you for listening to us. Uh, please remember that if you want to hear these podcasts first, uh, you can visit us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash otaku review. Also, if you want to do us a solid and leave us a like, share, and subscribe, or even just a comment letting us know what you enjoyed from this year, what you personally were watching, we'd love to hear from you. Other than that, take care and have a great Great 2021, everybody. Thanks for your patience and forbearance, and have yourselves an excellent new year.